This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about money, boys! Here we go again. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Fatigue. This is a show where we talk about film series one movie at a time. I'm your host, Gabe Green, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, James Hamrick. How's it going, man? Oh, pretty good. Uh, ready for <laughs> kind of round two of last episode. Last episode being Born Legacy. Yeah. Of, uh, hey, let's just talk about a movie that I watched, I yes. guess. It's a movie that we watched. Um, yeah, so we are currently uh, about to finish the Bourne series uh, with the final installment, Jason Bourne from 2016. Uh, before we talk about that, I want to ask you guys, if you enjoy the show, to please uh, take a moment to go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and subscribe while you're at it. It'll be very helpful to us and we would very much appreciate it. Uh, and you can like us on Facebook at Franchise Take Podcast to keep up to date with all the latest episodes and also leave feedback that can be read on the show. And speaking of said feedback... I asked on Facebook and Twitter what our listeners thought about this film. Shane said, needs more Gilroy. And to that, I, I agree. Byron said, honestly never understood the dislike for this one. I thought it finished up the story well. Uh, Jeff said, love it. Nostalgic cast at D.W. Lundberg said, Ugh, I know that Tony Gilroy gets his sh- uh, share of crap for the Bourne legacy and from Matt Damon himself, but it's clear that Greengrass had no idea how to update Bourne to the age of Snowden Content on repeating similar character and action beats. Bourne was better off buried. Sadly, that's pretty accurate. All right, so moving into the uh, behind-the-scenes story of this film. Um, so after the initial disappointing reception of the Bourne legacy in 2012, uh, the series seemed pretty dead in the water. Um, audiences clearly didn't want spinoffs, and Paul Greengrass and, more, more importantly, Matt Damon were very adamant that they were not coming back unless they had a really good story to tell. So when the announcement came in on September 15th, uh, 2014, which incidentally was my 20th birthday, um, that Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass were reuniting for a fourth film, uh, people got really excited because they had promised us that they would not do this unless they had a good idea. And they lied. Uh, (laughs) This sequel uh, would be written by Greengrass himself and uh, Christopher Rouse. And so uh, Rouse has been Greengrass's editor since The Bourne Supremacy. um, And so he edited The Supremacy and... Ultimatum, and then several other films, um, like such as uh, United 93 and uh, what's Green Zone, Captain Phillips, all those. Um, Greengrass says that Rouse also did some writing on Supremacy and Ultimatum, but wasn't cre- credited. Uh, this film, Jason Bourne, remains uh, Rouse's only actual screenwriting credit, at least on IMDb. Yeah, for the casting, uh, Matt Damon uh, obviously returns as the titular Jason Bourne. Uh, this time in our rotation of CIA operatives, uh, the current director of the CIA is Tommy Lee Jones, who I did not know was in this. That's been my favorite part about this series is every like waiting to see the, oh, I didn't know that person was in this <laughs> with each movie. Uh, and another person is Alicia Vikander uh, as Heather Lee, the head of the CIA cyber ops division. Uh, Vincent Castle as the asset, uh, like the, the lead physical villain. Uh, Julia Stiles returns as Nikki Parsons. Otto Esanda as Craig Jeffers. Uh, Riz Ahmed, who I got pretty excited to see again. I really, really like him a lot. Uh, he is Aaron Kalor, the CEO of Deep Dream. Scott Shepard as Edwin Russell. Uh, Bill Camp as Malcolm Smith. Vincent Kiefer as Christian DeSalt. 
Greg Henry as Richard Webb, and Stephen Kunkin as Bowman. So uh, filming began in fall of 2015. It was shot by Barry Aykroyd, who has been shooting movies with Greengrass since United 93. Um, he also works a lot with Catherine Bigelow. He's, he's one of the big guys in the, the shaky cam, quick cut style. But this, this makes it the first of the chapters with Damon in the series that was done without uh, director of photography Oliver Wood, who did the first three films. Uh, for the post-production, uh, there's not really a whole lot, mainly just stuff about its release. Uh, it ended up coming out or, or on January 6, 2015, was whenever it was given the release date of July 29th, 2016. Uh, the only thing that I feel like worth, is worth mentioning in terms of like the marketing is this movie has been all but forgotten, with the one exception of people weirdly remember the Super Bowl teaser. Like, I, I find that that comes up a lot. Like, people will struggle to recall it and be like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that during the Super Bowl. And I think it's because we all remember that incredible punch. Which Just they like cut that. out of the movie, or at least cut around. Yeah, I know. I was so bummed in the theaters. Like, because in the, in the trailer, it's just this one epic take. And they like show it from behind in the actual movie. I was like, oh my God, I was waiting for that. And it was a sign of what was to come. Yeah. The only other thing is, so for the, the score, uh, John Powell returned to score along with David Buckley with additional music from Batu Center. Yeah. So James, this is your first time viewing it. So like now with the, uh, the rest of the Bourne series in hindsight, how did you feel about this attempt to resurrect the brand? When it ended, I... I just felt like asking myself why, you know, like it's not like this just offensively horrible film, but it, you know, he, when, when was Ultimatum? 2007, I believe. Okay. Yeah. You know, we had, it's almost at a decade since we've last seen this person and we did have all of these, I try not to hold, like to judge movies too harshly based off of things said outside of the film, you know, like I don't, I don't care who said what or whatever. Like the only thing that matters to me is what happens within this film's runtime. But I do think with the fact that you do have all of these quotes, when you're like, we're not going to come back until we have a story worth telling. We think ultimatum wrapped everything up pretty well. Like you are definitely putting people in that mindset of, well, this must be, there's, there's gotta be a reason they're back for this story. And by the end of like, it's just, I, I know nothing new of note. This movie cannot convince me that any of these <laughs> revelations mean anything to me. So it's it's just, it feels really pointless and hollow. And, and I, I brought up the fact that a, a criticism that I did kind of have with Supremacy and Ultimatum is that they, they started to feel, with some technical exceptions, they, they felt more derivative than iterative. Uh, but they're well made, and so you can kind of look over a lot of that because it's it's more really fun action. That feels that diminishes increasingly, and and here it's just, I know what this is. Something happens that pulls Bourne back into the fray. We get a couple of action scenes. He's on the run from the government. We've got all the CIA ops looking at screens and shouting orders and stuff. And then we've got a final confrontation, both with like the CIA guy as well as the, the their physical villain guy, and then it's over with the the last track. Like it's just so familiar and so 
I don't know. It's it's so safe and empty. You said it. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I went uh, into theaters opening night with my roommate to see this movie. We were really pumped because, the, you know, as we said, you know, the promise, they're not going to come back unless they have something good for us. And you know, it's, 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 it's been, what it's at that point, nine years since the Bourne Ultimatum. So, you know, there's a, it, 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 it felt earned. So we go in and we watch like, oh, that was, was, was a movie. It was, it's okay. And we left very underwhelmed. And I really haven't thought much about this movie since, other than occasionally trying to figure out why is it so forgettable? Yeah, so I, I, I'm trying to think of where to start with this movie. I guess to just start with the big, big core problem. I have a lot of other problems. Um, it's just there's really not a story here. As you talked about, like by the time we got to Ultimatum, there was a clear, there was a structure, there was a flow. Like we knew they had to hit certain bees. Like, it was getting familiar. I, I, I think I, I personally believe it still really worked. You know, they went out with a bang, even though we knew what was going. We knew how the stories were going to go at that point. It wasn't unexpected, but it was it was satisfying. You know, end of the trilogy on a, you know, on a very high note. And but now when you come back nine years later, we have nine years of watching the Born trilogy, and that, and we we know these beats even better. And you come back and you just give us the exact same plot points again. It is. It's like beyond diminishing returns. It's almost like insulting at this point, just because like you had all this time to come. And 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 it being one of these, I don't know if it's like what does it take to be a legacy sequel? Like what's the what's the uh, the amount of time required? But like it's kind of close to that. You know, it's, it's the, the the original team coming back together after a long break, and just they have nothing new to say. I think Greengrass had some things he wanted to say about. Social media and online privacy, uh, but it really didn't go over all that well. So it just feels very extraneous. Like, so what are they actually doing with Bourne's character? So like, we we end the Bourne ultimatum with, you know, he he finally he brings it back to the top. He goes back to the beginning, you know, determined to find out who victimized him, who did this to him, and he realized, oh no, I volunteered. I put myself in this position. I chose this life. And he kind of like, okay, I'm done. I'm just, you know, no more vengeance, no more of it. No, no more killing, no more vengeance. I'm done. I'm walking away. And you know, I think I'm accepting responsibility for what I chose to be and no more. And what does this film do? It brings him back back around to, oh, no, he was a victim. He was manipulated. They murdered his father to get him to join. So now he's actually a victim again. It wasn't his choice. It's just you're undermining the, 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 the overall arc of the original trilogy to just and, and the actual revelation is so silly. It's just oh, like we know he volunteered, but why did he volunteer? Eh? You want to know that, huh? Uh-oh. Uh I don't know. It's just it's such a nothing. Like, like so, I, I'm bothered with it on two levels. I'm bothered with it just how silly and nothing it is. Like we're actually given by the end when the actual revelation comes. It's just a shrug. But the fact that that revelation also undermines the thematic arc of the original trilogy that's also very irritating. Yeah, despite how familiar this film is, it also, I feel like, really separates itself. You started to feel this more and more as the as the trilogy goes on, but throughout the first trilogy, I feel like there's still just enough realism in it that you can suspend your disbelief and completely buy into this world and be like, I, 
like I'm going to convince myself that there's reality here. Um, but this one just goes so far into like the, I am a big movie. Your father was the one who did it. You were betrayed. He was like, it's just so like, and this villain, he was tortured because of your revelation. And now he's out for revenge. It's like any shred or semblance of like the, like this is a, a more stripped back, grounded, less heightened movie kind of, kind of CIA espionage world and, and action movie. And this is just full-fledged, like, we killed your father and made you who you were. Like, oh, no. And, and, and go even further, just the, like, all the tech stuff is just ridiculous. Like, the stuff they're able to do on their computers, like, they can shut down the power in a building in, like, Eastern Europe from D.C. in, like, 10 seconds. Like, it's it's getting into this crazy, you know, late 90s, early 2000s hacker movie nonsense. Like, it's just, like, it works for, like, Live Free or Die Hard, where that's... The, you know, big goofy movie about that stuff. Like this is born. It's supposed to be, you know, stripped back realistic. So when you have them doing like, they can control the entire world from their command center. Like let's see if we can or even looks, she says enhance and then make a blurry shot crystal clear in seconds. Like it's that it turns it from, you know, what born was is very, you know, very grounded trying to be as faithful. I mean, obviously it's not, but it's, it's very heightened, but trying to be at least, ostensibly faithful to what it would be like in an agency doing these kind of things to it's it's action movie nonsense now. it's the the first one was it's, it's like the nolan batman trilogy you know you none of it none of that is real but it's you it's so easy to convince yourself within these two hours that it is real and that really that that's gone here because of the gadgets because of the arcs because of the motivations Oh yeah, you remember uh, uh, Bourne's v recording device that can listen to what people are saying in a car ahead of you in moving traffic? <laughs> yeah. And the whole climax of this is just full into like, this is no longer like, here's a somewhat toned down critique of like, CIA, like all of this, we're, we've got this whole, we're, we're killing this girl and this Facebook CEO guy, and we've got every, like, all of these very like, and we got a revenge plot going on over here, and he's there's so many things all coming together. Like the fact that we've got this action sequence framed around like this this hit that's supposed to go on in the middle of this big announcement between the CIA and the, like it's it's so absurd and out there. Yeah, you don't quiet down a story. By assassinating someone live on television while he's talking about you. That's not how this works. This is not this is not covert ops. Like, okay, what happens when there are disagreements between tech companies and the government? Well, they go before Congress and they have long, boring conversations where people who really don't understand what they're talking about talk to each other, and then usually nothing much happens. Like, we know what these what these conflicts between tech and government look like. You don't go. You don't go and assassinate Mark Zuckerberg on live TV. Like it's. You might we are not. So far into movie land at this point, that final, that whole final thing is just so. It, not only is it unrealistic, it's just stupid. Nothing about Dewey uh, Tom Tommy Lee Jones' character's plan makes any sense. Like, of course, this is coming back to get you. Like, if you kill someone on stage, you're not walking away clean. 
I don't know. And yeah, let's talk about the whole the whole social media thing. It's so it's really irrelevant. Like if you think so about it, so tacked on. What does it contribute? Like, the story is about you know, born finding out why he volunteered. Okay, stupid, but okay. Like it, that, at least it's it means something. But also, there's this tech guy who doesn't want the CIA to have a back door into his social media platform. Like, how does that how does that relate? Does he have something to do with Born? Nope, he has no relationship to Born. He doesn't know who Born is. Never heard of him. Doesn't care. Like, the only connection he has is he's connected to Dewey. But like, what does that have to do with this movie? And just the way they talk about it, it's so it so feels like you know when you have these filmmakers who don't understand tech or software or any of that, and I don't either, but just. And what little I know, the way these people who are supposedly tech gurus talk about it is just so surface level and basic and just uh, it's 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 really it's really boomer. Like, it just feels like a bunch of boomers talking about, you know, software. And it's just ugh, these youngins good. giving away their privacy. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um. So, like, I feel like that might have been the story that Greengrass was passionate about. You know, he's he's. You know, he's a guy, he has very strong political views and he makes films with a very clear perspective. Uh, but you gotta do it well. This this movie, I mean, it doesn't really work when, like, regardless of when it would be released, but it certainly doesn't work in a post, like, Winter Soldier world. And the funny thing is, th- th- this was happening, remember when uh, the government was trying to get Apple to open a phone for them? Remember what? Vaguely. All these, the Senate hearings. I feel like that was around the same time. Yeah, it's just... The thing is, what... What separate... Like, I, I mean, I guess I've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, what separated Bourne so much at the beginning is Bourne Identity came out whenever we're having a watch, like, Tomorrow Never Dies, and you... Like, whichever was the last Brosnan one. And, like, it came back and it stripped everything back and redefined action and stuff. And... Then you know you got something like Winter Soldier, which is very like it's it's huge and epic and bombastic and amazing and it's it's very heightened and it's just a super great cool in your face action movie uh, with all of like the bells and whistles that we really love with it and you could put a Jason Bourne kind of movie next to that if it is way more stripped back but this is. It's too stripped back to feel spectacular in the way that Winter Soldier was, but it's also not nearly just like fun enough and entertaining enough to to also be the same kind of movie as Winter Soldier is. So it's just this weird, boring, in-between kind of feel. And so whenever you do have, like, you've got these two different movies that are saying something about, you know, like government overreach and privacy and, and, you know, citizens' rights and all of this. It's just it's completely overshadowed, and for good reason. There's you're not really saying too many new things here, and it's and yeah, like the this idea that you're trying to explore is wholly separate from the the core of your film, which is another yeah. issue with the whole film as well. Like even beyond the fact that this whole idea about privacy and social media and stuff is irrelevant to the main story. It's it's also one of many things that just feel superfluous. Like this movie is so overstuffed. We've got Tommy Lee Jones and his right hand man. We've got Riz Ahmed and then his business partner and then Alicia Vikander and then Julia Stiles in it for a little bit and then Desalt and then 
the the guy out for revenge, and then the guy that they're trying to get him to meet up with Bourne, and then they kill him, and, like, you've got so many different characters, and it's, I don't care about any of them, really. Yeah, and I don't even care about Bourne in this movie. Like, he, there's nothing going on. in like, as a character, as, like, a journey, like, what is his journey in this film? He finds out that his father was murdered, and then he goes and strangles a guy. That's, yeah. He, uh, like, I, he, besides undermining the thematic arc of the original trilogy, I really don't like what this film does to Bourne as a character. The original three films, they treated violence as something very serious and costly to him. But here he's like, he's like shooting a guy in the leg to get you know, to get an answer really quick. Like that does, that feels completely out of character. Like, and in that final scene, when, uh, Doobie's right hand man bursts into the room. He just shoots the guy and doesn't like. And he uses the guy that he's like about to throw off the building just as a meat shield. And then also he ends the film by chasing someone down and snapping his neck in vengeance. Like, do you remember the end of both, both supremacy, supremacy and actually no, the end of identity supremacy and ultimatum. All of them end with him choosing to spare you know spare someone because you know he doesn't want to be the killer you made me to be. But nope, he's he's the killer this time. He's just the action guy who's gonna hunt down the bad guy and kill him brutally and it's cool. It's it's and but and just beyond Bourne's violence, the just the way the CIA uses violence in this is so ridiculous. This this guy, the Vincent Cassell character, who I think he's a he's a, he's a very celebrated French actor and he's a pretty intimidating presence in the film, but like he goes around he just shoots everyone. Yeah. Like, he opening film, he just blasts away three Greek civilians on a roof just to get a sniper position. In Berlin, he kills four CIA agents, like, fellow agents on a mission. He just guns them down, and the film doesn't even blink. It's... Yeah. Remember, remember when uh, Blackbriar was such a huge issue because they used it to kill U.S. citizens? <laughs> and then he's just, he's just shooting people in... In Vegas, he's just killing all... It's just ridiculous. Yeah, this is... Like, so if this whole idea is like... If, if the danger that Bourne represents is he notes... Also, like, it's it's just weird. Like, Bourne is brought in only on a technicality. He wants nothing to do with this. But they just make the assumption, like... Because Nicky Parsons out there is like, Well, Bourne's got something to do with this. Let's go kill him. It's like, what? what's the worry? Is it that he's eventually going to resurface and spill everything out? I get, like, if that's... If they think he's with Nicky, then I guess that's it. Well, they're they're, so they're, they're afraid he's going to find out about his father. But it, so is that that's even from the outset, like the inciting incident? Is that's the fear? yeah? Because that's what she hacked. She hacked. Oh, that's the right. Information about his father. Oh yeah, because then you've got the where towards the end with Tommy Lee Jones being like, "Hey, he was always going to come after me." They in in Greece during the riot, they literally have a scene like, "You need to come back. There's something you don't know." And they don't tell us. Like she does. Like it's like they have a dramatic pause, and then they have to run. It's like they they could have had all of that out right there at that moment, but no. For you know, dram- they have the dramatic pause, and oh, the information didn't get out, and she got killed. And also, we we find we find out about his father's death, but there's still like an hour left to the movie. Like the 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 way information is parsed out and given out is so it's so front loaded in the movie to where like the latter half there's really no revelations to be had. And so. Before we leave the subject of him killing everybody, like I, I brought all of that up just to say the the fear is that you know he's going to come back or like info he he knows and stuff. But 
so much of of the CIA side of these movies has been we can't like you, you have no like Bourne knows all of this. We can't just let this guy just be out there, you know. It's all about covering up our tracks and being hush hush. And like this guy is just leaving a trail of but you don't get to just show up to Greece and kill three people and then an ex CIA operative. That's the big thing. Like and I know they're Along constantly the, trying to the cover their CIA tracks. Operatives he, he shot Gideon. Yeah. And all of this is being covered up by like the oh well whenever they find it they'll they'll say that he was this blah blah blah. Like you can't you're you're just this is a you're giving the CIA a superpower. <laughs> like all we have to do is touch him and he's a you know, he's some sort of extremist and that's our cover story and like good grief. This all powerful agency is just so boring now. Yeah, that that's where this series really misses Gilroy, I think. Like, for all like, I feel like neither Gilroy or Greengrass really under, understands this series on their own. Like, when they were together, they had this kind of weird chemistry that you know, made it work. But when each one goes off on his own, they they make these things that kind of sort of look like bored, but just they they don't have you know the heart and soul of what made this great. Like, it's 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 it's, a, it's fascinating because they're, you know they're both you know, rightfully considered authors and, you know, creators of this series along with Lyman. But then when they're on that, when, when they get to make their own movies, it's just the, I guess the, the fact that Gilroy doesn't even like the board movies is telling <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, about film being collaborative art. You can get these people who, you know, you know, very different people put them together and somehow they make something that works, but when they're on their own, yeah, you get this. Yeah. And so, so, you know, we, we brought up the whole the father revelation. Uh, to me, that that brings its own issues outside of, like, the cheesiness of it. We've, I like, every time, like, the, the first thing I see in my head with all of these ridiculous familial lineage revelation is just Charlie Theron looking up and saying, Father... Like you've, What's you're this? all the, what? Uh, Prometheus to to old Guy Pierce. Uh, Terrible. I really like that movie a lot, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. Like so, even aside from the cheesiness, though, with every single one of the of the like the born or the original born trilogy, he's constantly learning more and more about, uh, you know, Blackbriar and Trebuchet, like just all of these, all of these different programs and stuff. He's he's digging all the way up to um, I forget the the name of the guy from Ultimatum, who supposedly started or whatever. What was the character's name that he confronts at the end? Albert Hirsch's character, or Albert Finney? Not Albert, Albert Finney, Doctor Hirsch. Doctor, I may have just combined names there. <laughs> uh, but anyways, like he's he's constantly getting into files. You've got so much of this that's just out there being exposed. You know, like like uh, with Pamela Landy, who's just completely absent from this film for some reason. I didn't even think about that until right this second. Where well, the heck prob- is they probably killed her? Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. They're very weird. comfortable doing that these days. Doctor Albert Hirsch. Okay, but anyways, so like he's constantly seeing more and more files surrounding. Uh, Blackbriar and Treadstone and all of these things. And I'm supposed to believe that not at any point during all of like the original trilogy he's ever come across his dad's name. Like, if he's seeing all of these files, 
we're, we're supposed to believe like like the head guy has been just blacked out of all of these files he's consistently coming across at the end of each of these it's and again every single you know it's it's i i was okay with it with the second two but at this point it's, it has gotten to the like this is offensive now of like the well this it was really this person it, it was their program all along and it's just so so uninteresting and it, that's so the revelation of a new guy who's like, this has been his brainchild, that's already annoying enough, but it's compounded because it's it's combined with the whole yeah. father reveal. It's not great. That that problem is so pride, like the, the whole just that this doesn't make any freaking sense is present everywhere. And we have, that's kind of the problem we have with Born Legacy, where like we're just we're thrown into a like on the CIA side. We're just thrown into all these new characters who we don't know, don't really understand, and then you know, what they're about. And we're just we're supposed to we're expected to just care about them and connect to them. And I really don't like. I think Alicia Vikander's character has the seeds of being interesting, um, but not really. She stops just short of it. <laughs> yeah, and everyone else, I could just leave them. Like I, I adore Tommy Lee Jones, but he's he's not doing anything here. And oh. Imagine if Gilroy had given him some of his awesome lines. Dude, imagine, imagine a movie with Brian Cox and Tommy Lee Jones in those like <laughs> long boardroom meetings together. That yeah, that we were robbed of that. Uh, so I messaged you while I was watching that like, for me, Tommy Lee Jones is an actor where like you give him you give him any line and it's not that he's going to be incredible. Like with that for sure, but it's also like I don't I don't think he's capable of a bad line delivery. So like if you have bad lines, he he tries here a couple times. I don't know. I maybe I'm just a weird uh, Tommy Lee Jones fanboy, but like I think it's because he's just always playing him or not playing himself. That's insulting to him as an actor. But he's he's I don't know. There's something about his stern look. He can. He's like you and McGregor in the prequels. We're like, he will find some way to make the most ridiculous stuff tolerable. There's nothing interesting. He doesn't have like, like the thing that I actually really liked with uh, Ed Norton in Legacy is just like the, I love the way he played that. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just a bearer of bad news. There's nothing we can do about it. There's, there's not really anything that that's close to being interesting like that here, but I just like Tommy Lee Jones' face on the movie screen. <laughs> like, just looking at the screen and him being a presence there is is something. So at least, at least we have an entertaining actor in this role. Yeah, at least we have that, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So then there's a uh, Alicia Vikander's Heather Lee, a character. That I think they, they were they were tr- they were tr- at least trying with this one. Okay. Is is she supposed to be a Native American? Like, is she trying to do a Native American accent? If so, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is she like an immigrant? If, if so, but I, I, they they never kind of call that out, and they just kind of and and she feels like she's trying hard enough with the pronunciation that they're trying to hide her. What what, what is she? I know she's, she's, she's Scandinavian, right? Swedish. Yeah. To- to me, I I didn't even think that. I just thought she's really trying to sound American, like because 
it, there was all there were all the telltale signs of like bad American accents. But at least with when British people do it, it's, it's their first language. You know? She's it's it's like the bad version of of the greatness that we get whenever like the Scars Guards do it. We're like like you you don't entirely <laughs> sound like us, but you sound way cooler than us. Uh, but she's very much like like you can tell it on the R's like sir. Like everything is just so rough sounding for some reason, and not, there's nothing natural about any of it. That's that's more a fault of writing and direction, though. Like, it's it's. I mean, it's probably nigh on impossible for most people to to you know fully remove their accent in you know in a second language. Yeah, like so, uh, she's intriguing in the way that she seems in, like she seems entirely mercenary, but also you know, like an ally of circumstance with born like and the way she kind of plays that is is cool but it kind of comes to nothing at the end where she's found out that oh she's she really doesn't care about born at all and so we get to get that last cool music i guess <laughs> the plan though itself is so messy and nonsensical like i spent like her pitch to like let's bring him in it, it was Man, speaking, you think of like the the conversations between Chris Cooper and Brian Cox in the first one, and it's like every or between Brian Cox and Pamela Landy, and every like all of the dialogue is so sharp. I'm just I'm hanging on to every single exchange, and it's like it's very movie, but it's also it's it's the same kind of like like Nolan Batman, like the original mm-hmm. trilogy of like I'm totally bought in right now, uh, but she her like explanation to like let's try bring him in is just. He's been on the streets. He knows things. Maybe he can help us. Like, imagine if the CIA was just like, this guy's been out there a while. Like, Bourne has been out there, like, bare-knuckle boxing in Greece. And you're like, this guy probably know, like has intel that we can, that we can use. It's such a silly... Like, anybody would hear that and shoot it down immediately. Like, no, this guy's been in the dark when it comes to any sort of world events like this for almost a decade and your plan is like, he's been on the streets. Like that's the most, like that's what like street cops do with like people who know those. It's not like the CIA seeking out him because he was an operative decade ago. He might still know things. Yeah. I'm really pissed that they brought back Nikki just to kill her off in the first act. She deserved better. So I, I want to know if I'm alone here. I don't think she was that good in this. Yeah. That all that dialogue in the um in the riot is very clearly ADR'd, which makes yeah. sense because you're filming in a riot. Um but her delivery is so bad. Okay, cool. And it's terrible and the sure dialogue, but the dialogue is dreadful as well. The, the dialogue is absolutely awful. Bad dialogue ADR'd flat delivery yeah <laughs> it's rough it felt like prequel like no born you got to do this and i'm here to give you these lines i'm like what is going on i really like nikki uh, yeah like the the one good or so the two good moments like with her inclusion the first time they see each other like that if i could carve out the that three or four seconds of time i think that that's a really powerful moment because they both compared to where we saw them last 
and this is not a, like an insult to either like obviously this is intentional with makeup and everything but like they both look like crap you know <laughs> like they both look like they've just been put through it for a decade and so like in the middle of this riot whenever they first meet each other's eyes and it's just like you see all of the age all of the wrinkles all of like the swiss they look so aged and worn out and there's there's a few seconds of no dialogue between each other just looking at them and it, i thought that that moment was really great and i thought that they were going to go somewhere with that but <laughs> then she started talking and i'm like oh boy not good yeah like i mean like, at least keep her around to like the third act or something like i just it felt like such a waste yeah and so despite the fact that i am like you and that i'm i'm disappointed in how short lived her return was and how unceremonious you know she left the film her death is kind of incredible like getting shot in the the way like she's shot and then like bounces off the wall and off the like so brutal so brutal like it's it's i hate that it's it's her and i hate that it's this early on but if i'm just like if i'm judging this scene in isolation the death like i i was watching it and i'm I'm pretty, I'm already resigned to the fact that I'm entirely, like, uninterested in this plot. So I'm I'm here to, like, you know, just, I'm watching the movie. I'm still paying attention. I'm still committing myself to the movie right now. But for me, as somebody as uninvested as it was, whenever that happened, I just audibly go, like, oh! Yeah. And, like, cover my mouth. I'm like, this was, yikes. And then they, instead of just, like, letting that be what kills her, just keeping her alive, and you've got, like, the weird broken up kind of, like fast-paced breathing, like oh we, this is this was brutal and it caught me off guard. Yeah, but it means nothing. Like she, they, no, there's not a single thought given to her after that. Like oh right, which is why like it's like it, you should have at least made if you're gonna have Bourne chase down and, and brutally kill a guy, you know, make it about you. You're the one who killed my friend. You know, just like and also Alicia Vikander was the one calling the shots when that happened. And and like he doesn't like it's not, nothing comes of it whatsoever. The film does not care about what like it's brutal and effective in the moment, but it's as soon as it's over, it's done. Who cares? And that's definitely all I mean to say. I, I don't like what it accomplishes for the, accomplishes for the movie or anything like that. But it was just it was real brutal, and it was a well done death in terms of like just the way it was shot. Is it just mere? Is it weird how little they gave his dad? Like they didn't even give a not like a, like a maybe a heartfelt scene of them actually being your father and son. And it, it's also funny like me and you we just watched Slither when I was down there, and so I can I don't know that I can ever take Greg Henry seriously ever again after uh, James Gunn has had his claws in him. Oh, I didn't even realize that was him. He's the mayor. Gotcha. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like, after that character, it's really hard to take him seriously. But you don't have to because he's irrelevant. And he has, like, two scenes where he just says exposition. That's... I was going to bring that up because this movie is really, really relying on, like... We don't have to tell you why parents are important. We could just kill a parent and you know why it's bad. Because you have a parent and you know you love... Like, it's... Like, no, you don't get to just show his dad be like, well, his dad died, and we know that's sad because we know it's sad to lose a parent. It's like, okay, but you're also a movie, and he's also a character, so make him a character. See, we've got these weird, fuzzy, 
flashbacks where absolutely no intimate moments are being had. Did they did they digitally de-age Matt Damon in that? Because he looked off. No. <laughs> he was old. Oh. He, he, he looked really old. Maybe they tried, but like he still has that massive crease between his eyes. Yeah, it, like, it definitely, like, it didn't work, but it felt like his sheen had that, like, low-budget digital de-aging. Like, just the, the skin, the texture, it just looked very... Um, well, for some positives, there are two incredible sequences in this movie. The riot sequence is, I think, just spectacular and one of the great, just massive sequences of of, of that year, maybe the decade. Um, just every single shot has like dozens to hundreds of people running around with flags and flames and torches and Molotov cocktails. Like, I don't. My brain just starts to shrink and like in fear at the thought of what it would take to stage this sequence, like to you know stage it, shoot it, and and, and do it over and over again. For like, they had to spend months there, and every shot is just filled with movement and activity. It just from a just a staging technical standpoint, it's insane how much they accomplished just in that. It's just like all the things that are happening, all the people required. The pyrotechnics, it's, just, it's nuts. Um, but just, and, but it's just a really well put together sequence. It, 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 like the great Bourne Chase sequences, there's no rest. It's just co- a constant building pitch as it goes, and it doesn't let you have to take a break. And the final chase where they're going through the streets and they're they're on the motorcycle and, and uh, Vincent Cassell is following in the car. And there are some shots, like these low-to-the-ground shots following the bike, as it's speeding down a very crowded street with a lot of fire, it's like, it's it's pretty amazing. I think um, Greengrass still knows how to put put on an incredible action sequence. Yeah, it's all definitely cool to watch, and that, like, very quickly that became what was, like, what this movie is going to be. Is like, there's going to be some cool action moments, but <laughs> there's going to be no real reason to care. And and I, I think. I, I want to appreciate that scene even more because there is so much around, like there's so many people involved in it and it is an incredible feat on its own. But just as somebody who's just like digesting it as a part of a film as a whole, it just, it ends up meaning very little. Well, yeah, but at, at this point you're still kind of in, on board with the film because you know, it hasn't entirely lost you. True. At least it hasn't me. And it was unfair for the film because despite the fact that it, it wasn't off the rails at this point, or off the rails is a weird way, it, it wasn't revealing how uninspired it was at this point. I also It also has the baggage of like, I know it's Rotten Tomato score. I know what people think <laughs> about it. So the fact that I was like unengaged, like it, has, it wasn't offensively bad, but I was also unengaged with the knowledge that I would likely never be engaged at all. I was still like, this is cool action. Then the other sequence I got to praise is the, the Vegas chase scene. Um, just it's, it doesn't mean a lot because you don't really care at this point. You, and you like, you have been disconnected, but I was kind of cackling at the sheer destruction. Like when he plows through the parked cars and they're just flying like so cool. everywhere. Or we, we uh, Boren drives the car and, lands on and he just takes through the marquee. <laughs> And he uh, drives into the slot machines. It's just like it's it's all it's not boring anymore. 
but the level of you know, well-realized and well-shot chaos and destruction made me happy for a few minutes. Yeah, that you you really it takes sequences like this to show you why practical um, action sequences end up feeling different because. Like when that car hits that marquee and you just see it rip through the steel and the plastic and everything's just falling apart and sparking and like there's so many incredible car crashes in that whole sequence that like it the whole the the scene itself makes no sense even like the the inciting incident for this I is it, just weird like you've got Cassell who's just like this madman at this point going up to a random SWAT guy and stabbing him in the back just in the middle of this and then. The, a very unintentionally funny shot of Jason Bourne walking out and him just driving by and then looking at the window like, oh, there he is. And he just like runs that like time to time for a chase scene, I guess, despite the like Tommy Lee Jones is dead. Really, the movie should have been wrapped up, but I've got this guy time to chase him. But the scene itself is so entertaining. Like you could tell and just the, the, so the, much the Vegas strip is so gorgeous and the lights and just everything about it is the best. Yeah. That was a, a very fun, like, like the 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 actual moment of him driving over, uh, and and landing on top of the vehicle is, it's so silly, but it's so cool. Because they actually did it. Yeah. I just, the, I got to go back to that shot where he just plows through the cars and they're just flying like bowling pins. It's. Uh, it's cinema. <laughs> the the moment that got like the that got me to the point of like cackling of like genuine audibly laughing and like in an enjoyable kind of like this is entertainment way was after he plows into the casino but like there's there's no breaks it's just I'm gonna keep going like almost a football field's length in here just this the slot machines the tail everything it's all going it's just so ridiculous and then like. When it stops, it doesn't stop the ridiculousness, though, because then he just kicks open the back of the door with, like, this machine gun, and it's it's, uh, (laughs) incredible. For a guy who, he's so mad at Bourne because you're a traitor, he really kills a lot of his own people. (laughs) Don't think about it. Uh, yeah. (laughs) The the final fight, like, they're really trying to go for, you know, the, you know, every Bourne scene has the mono and mono, you know, big agent versus agent fight it's fine like they, they do the thing with the you know there's no music it's just the sound effects but it's just it lacks the creativity and, and it also feels a lot slower than the previous fights and also it lacks the, the thing where it feels uncomfortable and like you kind of feel bad for the other guy by the time they're dying because they may they may you know Cassell's character so cartoonishly evil that you're rooting for his death and yeah it's just it doesn't well it doesn't measure up to any of the previous ones so i i actually really like the last fight but i think part yeah. of it is so born was very much like a, a different character at the time. like i i think back to uh supremacy you know when he's just yelling and laying into nikki and you're like you're uncomfortable because you're like this isn't born born's being me like i this is so it's uncomfortable to see him like this and like the fact that that's how you feel is an indication of just his characterization. Like this is this is how far he's willing to go. But like you said, at this point, he is shooting a guy in the leg and holding him over a ledge and then using him as a meat shield. And like he is just off the rails, unhinged, kind of like crazy. 
like just willing to kill and shoot and maim and stuff. So the idea of this whole last fight being like, I I was not expecting it anymore to not revel in violence. Like this movie is very clearly not above reveling in the violence. Oh yeah, my main complaint is not that it's it, that we don't feel bad. It's it's also that I just don't think it's as creative or cool or fast or just any of the things that made like the dash fight stand out so much. I think part of what made me like it is because I might just prefer the fights that are less fast. Like I I what I really like the way the shot oh, the the lighting uh like the just the the like the orange hues of everything like just this orangey smoke and then the blacks of the shadows and stuff the the color the color grading in that whole scene is just really really cool and moody and atmospheric uh and i find they find a couple of really cool compositions throughout that fight scene i thought but i I liked that a lot of the time in the other ones and this this works for those but like we're, we're cutting even on like the impact and stuff and so we're you're aware of the way things are moving, but be intentionally, you're not really getting to like enjoy and savor all of the, like his fist just hit that guy in the face. And because this is kind of slower, there are, I found there are moments where like, oh, he just headbutted him. Like that was incredible. And I got to like enjoy that stupid violent moment. And he just like slammed his head to the wall. And that like, it's just, there were, because it was like slowed down a good bit and cut uh, cut up a little bit less, I just I was like there there are more movie moments of just like there these are two big strong dudes punching each other and that's cool to watch. It, I, well, that should bring us that brings us back to um, Paul Greengrass's style, which I think has made a very interesting evolution. Like you look at this film compared to Born Supremacy, they really do not look like the same directors. Mm. Like he has calmed down so much and the, the the lenses are so much wider and less shaky and you know there's much more intentional composition. Like oh the entire thing feels so different. And I think that works for most of the action sequences, like you know, the the, the Grease the uh you know riot fight ch- fight and chase and the uh the Vegas thing where just like he can calm down and just give us a nice wide shot with his glorious chaos and destruction. But I think where the calmer camera hurt the film is in the uh, the CIA scenes, whereas he he would shoot those shoot and edit those like action sequences. And they had such a great rhythm and energy here, th- and that's also a problem a fault a problem of the script and the fact that there's really no tension or dramatic weight to any of it, and it's also very stupid usually. But they feel very limp. So many of these the CIA boardrooms and and just scenes in the command center feel very loose. And I think the, the way he had kind of pared back his style is more, it's more traditional. It really just revealed how nothing was like, you can, you can trick the viewer, even though nothing is happening. If you shoot it right, you can make it exciting. And he, and it just, it felt, it just revealed how lackluster and limp so much of this film's runtime is. Speaking of its runtime, this movie's too long. <laughs> it's a little over two hours, and it's... How do you tell how long a movie without a story should be? That's also true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it exists. It's too long. <laughs> uh, okay, question. What do you think would make for a good Bourne legacy? Like, so we've had the trilogy, and we're doing another film with Matt Damon as Bourne. 
I think the mistake that both Born Legacy and Born and Jason Bourne made was they tried to copy the exact same chase yeah. structure of the previous film. So you have to do something entirely different, or else you're going to fall into the same trap of been there, done that. So what do you think they would have to do to make a good, like if they're bringing Jason Bourne back, what are some things they should do? Uh, so I, I tricked myself into thinking. Well, no, I I definitely knew it wasn't going to be that. Like with the the initial like boxing scene, I was I kind of thought that like, what if they tried to pull tonally like what they want to do with their character is obviously different, but like tonally give him like the Logan treatment of of just years removed from the last thing that we've seen him and and just have it this kind of disheveled figure trying to live unassumingly in this world that they were so like integral to like years ago um and because i i was kind of thinking about this like this question itself during me and after it and and trying to borrow things from the movie that could potentially work with that and i think it's weird because there's all you trying to go into like who are you what kind of person are you like by the end of ultimatum it has been done before but like i guess borrowing from the movie's ideas like especially this one of like you know there is no you know you tried you you went through three movies of trying to escape but ultimately you are this agent like even after beating us you're still there is no fulfillment for you out in the world you this is always who you're going to be uh and you know like have the the fact that he's maybe use the fact that he is so much more brutal and unhinged to make a point which they which they didn't you know but i don't know find a way to to strip it back and be more more character focused like what is what does life look like for this person now any ideas of what like a plot would look like no idea haven't gotten that far <laughs> yeah so my thoughts were you you can't do oh the CIA is after me I gotta go on the run again. Very so, much so. If you can't beat them, join them. So I, I was thinking more like like what you could have like what Alicia Vikander is trying to do. They'll bring him back in. We can use him. He has the skills. So have something happen, and the government has to come and say, "Will you please, pretty please, come back and join us?" You know, for some kind of mission. So like just shake it up. Have born working with the CIA on something. Um, it's super cliched and it, it, you couldn't keep, like you, you, you lose the realistic tone. So you're going to have to just be a goofy action movie at that point, but at least I don't know, the, something different than what before has, is happening. I think there's cool things to be explored with the idea of Bourne having to work with the good guys in the CIA for a change rather than constantly just being on the run and, actually having the back I'm so done government. with born on the run <laughs> yeah i don't know like him go but, but we, we've how many movies have we had where the government goes to the old you know the old retired agent we need you for one more mission and you like there's, there's a whole genre in of itself so that, that's kind of what this would be i hope this movie's gonna be fun <laughs> so, honestly i think it's just a bad idea to do more more born yeah. I mean, I think that was kind of whenever we were talking about how do you successfully do a Bourne spinoff? It's like, you, you don't. You had mm -hmm. a good three. 
You just stop. Okay, but Universal has come to you, and they've offered you a million dollars to cover the story. Uh, <laughs> I see all your them... morals and you know, all your character go out the window now, huh? <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess, like, there's... This isn't super relevant to where we are in the conversation. It's kind of going back to the father stuff. But the the last criticism, my last little jab I'll get in, is... uh. The decision to kill Bourne's dad feels so dumb to me because you've got two two people that you see as very valuable to you, the, the, the father and the son. But I am not convinced at all that the son was seen as priority <laughs> over the dad because this was is Jason Bourne. Apparently from the it's, day he was born or whatever. This whole idea that like, well, he's real smart and real strong and real fast. Like there's so many people like that. <laughs> he's not already like, whenever we see him doing the amazing things he can do during the trilogy, that wasn't him yet at that point. Like you've got to imagine that so much of that just comes from like the further training because of all of these things he's a part of. So the fact that like, well, this guy, this really cool strong patriotic guy we place more value on him than the like the the guy who thought up this whole thing this guy is going to be infinitely more invaluable to the cia as a whole whose name is on all of these papers we're willing to terminate the guy the idea guy we're going to kill him because his son is real strong and we want him like it's on a list of priorities the dad is not the guy that the cia blows up uh, yeah, but uh, something, something, social media, security. Oh, uh, yeah, good point. Do you realize that Riz Ahmed's character isn't even introduced into the film until 38 minutes into the movie? It gives you an idea how just terribly paced and structured this movie is. And he never, start to finish, he never comes across born, right? Well, like, they're, unless... in the sa- they're in, they're in the, the same room when he gets shot in the arm. Yeah, that's but... about as far as it goes, yeah. Which is weird. So, something that I'll give... This is more of a compliment to Riz Ahmed than the movie. He delivered that TED Talk kind of thing really convincingly. I I He's like a good actor. Yeah. People need to start using him more. Alright, I think we've kind of crapped on this movie enough. Uh, let's move into our you know star rating and ranking of the series. So James, what do you give this film out of five stars and how do you rank uh, it among the uh, so I've, I've born decided films? that I'm gonna start allowing myself to be harsher on a movie if I just did not <laughs> feel anything towards it because usually my go-to is like i i feel empty i didn't enjoy it it's an easy to just throw two and a half on there but i just feel like this movie is just kind of bad like there's there are sequences that stand out but structurally it's like it's just it's so overstuffed there's way too many characters it's got such a silly plot it actively hurts previous entries there's not an interesting character in sight it's just, I I mean, we spent most of this review, you know, talking about our issues with it. So I, I'm going two out of five. I just, I did, I liked very little about it. There are a couple of action scenes that I did enjoy. I'll give it a, a one star comes from the fact that you cast Tommy Lee Jones, even if he's not especially <laughs> like memorable. I just love Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, so yeah. So I, I go two out of five. Uh, 
I got number one, born identity, number two, born ultimatum, number three, born supremacy, number four, born legacy, and number five, Jason Bourne. Even though born legacy doesn't have a plot, it doesn't have arcs, it's more there's it's going for more it's you know we've got all of these pills that were taken we're getting strong and we're smart and i i really weirdly am attached to all of the snow sequences i just it's cool to see guys with guns walking through snows and fighting wolves like there's there's something it's oscar isaac right it's got oscar isaac man that gets you a star and a half so yeah i i just find legacy a good bit more interesting not in terms of ideas but like hey i'm looking at snow in different locations and yeah so i also give it two stars it was it was two and a half stars originally when i walked out of the theater but now i think having watched this entire series and you know dove deep into the thematics and thought about the characters and the arcs and what they're trying to say i'm kind of just irritated at the choices made by the film and there's so many the things it does, I feel like are actively undermining the previous films. And that's kind of unforgivable for me. So it's not a terrible. Like, yes, there are so many stupid things, but as it goes, it, it kind of comes and goes. It, it doesn't feel offensive in the moment unless you think about it. So, yeah, for now, two, two stars. Um, as far as the ranking, I go number one, ultimatum, number two, identity, number three, supremacy, four, legacy and five, Jason Bourne. Um, and I just realized I had a fan on in my room for this entire recording. Uh, I had my headphones on, so I couldn't hear it. I hope that didn't come through the recording. I just turned it off. Uh, if it did, I apologize. Mm, well, send all your hate mail to Gabe. <laughs> all right. So going into the uh, box office, this film earned 162 million domestically and 253 million in the in the foreign markets for a worldwide total of 415 million on its 120 million dollar budget. So it stands right in the middle of the series domestically underneath Supremacy and Ultimatum and at number two worldwide underneath Ultimatum. However, that is not at all accounting for inflation. So I'm not I'm not sure how much inflation would affect a film, uh, the box office like this over the course of about a decade, decade and a half. I'm not sure. I'm guessing that it made a little bit of money or at least broke even. I don't think it was a bomb, but also it didn't make enough money for them to want to make a sequel. Um, As far as the... Uh, the uh, critical reception, it holds a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 58% on Metacritic, uh, and the audience scores are pretty similar. Most of the praise goes for the technical filmmaking, but even those who liked it kind of point out that it's very uninspired and it's going for a lot of the similar beats as the previous films. Um, the, the reviews seem pretty comparable with The Born Legacy, just very tepid. Um, you know, n- not, not a lot of extreme hate, but next to no love either. Yeah, so as far as the, Jason Bourne's legacy... I don't think it has one. It's probably happened a couple times, but I can't think of a single time since like, you know, the, the window of its release in the last four years that I've heard somebody talk about this movie. Like no one ever brings it up. Like the Born legacy, it's almost forgotten, but it'll occasionally come up as, you know, in the discussion of, you know, spinoffs and Jeremy Renner's really weird Hollywood <laughs> career. Like even that we, for how little it's talked about, at least has that. This movie, I do you ever hear ever hear anyone talking about it? I don't hear. So I'm willing to say the only legacy this has is that there is a 30 second Super Bowl trailer that is just <laughs> clung on to some people's memory. It's funny. I was talking to Quentin the other day, and I, I said, you know, we're gonna watch that, 
I asked him if, if he had seen it, and he, I don't even remember if he said he had or not, but he, <laughs> I think he even said he doesn't remember if he did or not. It was just, again, it was like the, his words were, honestly, the only thing I remember was just just going, ooh, whenever he punches that dude in the Super Bowl That's teaser. Really I'm like, cool you and everybody else, everybody remembers like remembers watching this teaser and seeing that punch and be like, oh, this looks good. That is that is what this movie's legacy is. But you have to dig to get there. And then you'll get the, oh yeah, I remember seeing that. Didn't he punch that guy? It's like, yeah, there it is. That's that's it's foothold. And I I don't see it having any kind of resurgence. Like there's not there's so little aside from like the riot action sequence and the Vegas chase, which are really good, but not like all time greats. So I don't see even those like kind of coming out. Like you don't they don't they don't show up on like all time great chase sequences and on lists or anything. So I don't think anyone's I don't see this film ever amounting to much. So and so as far as like the future of this franchise, uh, there was actually a TV series called Treadstone that is an official spinoff made by Universal of the Bourne series. And it came out and was canceled uh, for one. You know, it came out for one season earlier in 2020 and was canceled this year. Yeah, it, it's so bizarre. Like, I don't watch a lot of TV, but usually I can have kind of an ear to the ground as far as what's happening. But a Jason Bourne spinoff TV series called Treadstone came out. It existed and now it doesn't. And I watched a terrible, uh, I watched a trailer. It looks terrible. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I only found out about this when I was doing research for this episode. Golly. It's so strange. Everybody's home. Everybody's just looking for good TV. How do you drop the ball like this? Yeah, it's it doesn't look good. Um, so as far as the future, uh, series producer Frank Marshall is still talking about how he wants to make another film. He said he's looking for you know new filmmakers to to bring a fresh perspective to the series. Uh, Green Ga- Greengrass, Gilroy, and Damon—they all seem pretty well done. Um, but Hollywood is not gonna let a series die, so they're probably gonna try at some point in the next decade to get another movie out. Maybe if they offer Damon enough money, he'll come back. I don't see them trying spinoffs again. Like, so their options are pretty limited. It's either Damon or nothing. And but even Damon proved like, yeah, this guy so, is nothing. Yeah, the, what's gonna ha- probably gonna happen is you know in twenty twenty five, there's gonna be you know a hot young director who made a cool Sundance film, and they're gonna get him and make this make another movie, and it's gonna be you know really you know, bland studio piece, like so many of these blockbusters that happen nowadays. But it's going to be pitched as like super dark and gritty, and it's just going to be called Born. Born Again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, on that note, (laughs) uh, that was our review of Jason Bourne. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, again, I'd like to ask you to please uh, take a moment to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Uh, You can like us on Facebook at Franchise Speak Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as at FranchisePod. And if you want to find our other episodes, you can go to FranchiseSpeakPodcast.com. And where can people follow you, James? You can find me over at Letterboxd. I am there as JL Hamry. It's J-L-H-A-M-R-I. And you can also find the both of us over at The Outer Rim, a Star Wars group on Facebook. You know, we are two episodes into Mandalorian Season 2. So if you're excited about all things Star Wars and you want to talk about all of the new stuff coming out, feel free to join us over there. Oh, yeah, and if you want to hear us talk about uh, The Mandalorian, That's we right. have been putting out uh, reviews uh, of each episode. We have, there's two out so far, and by the time this episode comes out, there should be like four or five. But there are like a ha- half-hour reviews that we've been recording on those over on the Outer Rim Facebook page. So check that out. 
You can follow me on Letterboxd as Gabriel Green. I am on Instagram as Gabe the Great Green, and I have a YouTube channel called Greenery01, where I put out a, a movie-based music videos and trailer mashups and whatnot. So next week, uh, this is going to be a series with James' pick. What is it? What are we looking at, James? So I am so much more like I am so excited to leave behind Born Legacy and Jason Bourne and move into a just a massive blind spot of mine, which is the Terminator series. Uh, at, so I really enjoyed going through this initial Born trilogy, and I became very selfish in my thinking as. I'm just going to start picking series that I haven't <laughs> seen and using the podcast to like fill blind spots. And all I've seen, this is another one where when you ask me what I've seen from a legacy series, I'm like, I say the weird obscure one. And so I had only seen the Le uh, born legacy before. And now here I've only seen Terminator salvation. So I am <laughs> very excited, especially for these first two. Like I'm legitimately excited to pop these discs out and finally watch these. So that is that is what we will back for. I think you're gonna like the first. One. I think I'm gonna love the first two. Like I I've seen clips from Judgment Day, and I'm just like, oh, that. Judgment Day is one of the greatest films ever made. Um, but I th like the first one is very horror tinged. That's I feel that's gonna nice. be up your alley. Yep. Yeah, so that I am a huge well, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the first two, and then there are other movies which we will also talk about. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, See, so yeah, so that's what we're talking about in the next episode. And until then, we will see you as we try to stop the future from happening. <laughs>